Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Friday, July 28th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Yeah, Friday. You know what that means? College basketball with statsbywill.substack.com. The best college basketball website out there today. Subscribe today. Mr. Will Warren, my good friend Will Warren, coming on this very program each and every Friday. Talk all things college basketball year-round. So shout out to Will for coming on as he does to talk St. John's, Chris Ludlam, where does St. John's fit, why this Rick Pitino team right out of the gate should be really good, uh, UNLV being the team to watch in the Mountain West going into next year, Georgetown looking like they're starting five for next year under Ed Cooley for his first year, looking pretty settled, uh, Cam Spencer, why he's the most interesting transfer this week for uh, UConn coming in from Rutgers, we talk about Nebraska, why they're probably a tournament team, all that and more coming up, Will Warren on this very show we've also got bobby skinner yeah talking giants on this very program uh bobby was awesome and loved being able to talk new york giants with him uh on this jam-packed friday edition of the program we talked about saquon barkley holding out uh what ended up happening there uh covering the giants um uh, we talked about uh, andrew thomas's extension how he has turned out to be such a great left tackle for the G-man, Daniel Jones, where he is as a quarterback and where he it fits in the fan base, the Cowboys and the Eagles being in the NFC East, realistic expectations for the Giants in 2023 and all that good stuff. So Bobby was awesome. And make sure you go check out Talking Giants if you have not already done so as well. Part of the John Boy Media guys who are awesome. All right, there you go. Big, big show for you guys here on a Friday. Let's do it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Homes podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content 
every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports guys, sports reporters assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, co-worker, whoever about the Chase Lounge Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Hey, one final thing before we jump into today's episode. Uh, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me. SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. It is a daily newsletter um, where I cover all kinds of uh, great sports content, personal essays, uh, links to full episodes of this very show, um, Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports, NFL, NBA, college football. I write about it all. Boy Meets World. Yeah, you can find all of it on the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter by just going over to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com dot com type in your email today become a subscriber if you like listening to this show i think you might like reading my work as well combination writing podcasting two of my favorite things and you can find it over at sports renaissance man dot dot com check it out today also check out chase podcast.com new website looks great all kinds of great links check them both out bookmark them sports renaissance man dot dot com Type in your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And then chasethomaspodcast.com as well for all the links, full episode notes um, about the show, how we got started, who I am, if you're not familiar with the Chase Thomas Podcast, and just me, Chase Thomas, um, outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, local, Atlantan, um, and all that good stuff. All the information you need, chasethomaspodcast.com. And then email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com for any questions, mailbag stuff, anything for me or my hosts each and every week, co-hosts each and every week, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee everything school hq up there in oak ridge college basketball today on this very program with the best college basketball writer going right now stats by well dot subscribe today it's mr will warren will good evening how are you i'm doing great that's a very kind intro uh but i would like to dispel a rumor Uh-oh. right here at the top i am not returning to the big 12 but Colorado is Bob Huggins? Is, I think that's good for them. Is Bob Huggins returning to the Big 12? Uh, he, I'm going to keep my comments to myself. He's returning to somewhere other than sports. Okay. Oh, man. What a mess. I don't even know. Like, 
I will say it just does feel like it will. It doesn't pertain to college basketball yet, but I do think Gonzaga and UConn, like it just feels like the Big 12 is about to be the college basketball haven um, in the sport. And when we look at where the sport's going, everything's going to run through the Big 12. It just feels like in college basketball. Yeah. And uh, the amount of realignment coverage will not at all be annoying for like the next five years of our lives. We love it. Um, but we're not going to talk about it on this very program. Well, we're going to talk about happy things. Happy, happy things. There's a, like, there's a guy who got in an argument with me uh, on a chat I'm in who's like, realignment's good because it drives the off-season discourse. And I'm like, we don't need off-season discourse. We can just chill. That's the guy who like who pays attention to ratings where it's like, this did this kind of rating. It's like, did you enjoy it? Like, why do you watch anything for ratings? Why are you watching yeah. anything in your personal life? You are not an ad man. You are not a TV exec. You don't need to care. The worst kind of sports fan is the one who's like, but the rating, I just, the national audience isn't going to care as much. It's like, wh- that's not yeah. how you watch anything. That's insane. Why, why are you going to the movies based on? For, when I'm picking somebody to root for, I'm rooting for CEOs, baby. <laughs> who who doesn't love him uh who doesn't love him uh will warren um speaking of people we uh can't help but love rick patino and the saint john's red storm which um remember this remember south park member berries member saint john's member i remember i remember saint john's being a pretty good basketball program um will warren chris ledlam old friend we hardly knew ye here in knoxville tennessee he officially jumps into the boat with saint john's now that it's pretty much settled what St. John's roster is going to look like and the big overhaul, uh, the Iona uh, transfers that Patino brought with him, when you look at this group that Patino is going to have here in year one, Will, how good do you think Patino actually might have this team right away? Uh, I mean, obviously a long time until November, but when you look at it right now, I mean, I think it's an NCAA tournament roster. Uh, I don't think it's like a great team. Like, mm. I mean people putting them in the top 25, I think that's a hair much. But if we get to six and a half, or Jesus, that's way off, eight and a half months from now, Mm -hmm. right? No, seven and a half months from now. It's been a long day. Um, Great moment on live radio here. Uh, If you get to Selection Sunday, we'll go with that. And they're like Mm -hmm. an eight seed. I'll be like, yeah, that feels right. I think that they've got like an eight or nine seed roster, which is a giant leap forward from where they've been. Like mm. if they are an eight or nine seed in year one, that's a huge success for Rick. Uh, I mean, that is smashing expectations. That's going well above and beyond what people have seen there recently. Uh, I pulled up their Ken Palm page because I was curious. I, I guess I remember them being a little better at one point, but mm. would you like to guess the last time they finished in the Ken Palm top 40 St. John's? I'm going to guess it's a lab in year, right? Uh, it is not. Oh. Um, Further back. 2003? Uh, it is the year 2000. Okay. So they have gone 23 years without touching the Ken Palm top 40 at an, the end of a season. And, I mean, if this roster plays up to what it looks like it could be, they'll get there. I mean, Rick, that is kind of a crazy thing to say is that if they do what a Patino team generally does, which is overachieve a little bit of their preseason expectations, or at least on paper, they're going to have the best team St. John's has seen in almost 25 years, Hmm. which that's crazy. And it's not even going to be on paper like an amazing team, but Mm. they're going to be competent, and that's all they really need to be at first. You don't need them to be instant two or three seed like they were back in the day. You just need them to be consistently competent again. 
And if Patino can achieve that, that's a really good coaching job on his part. I I like it. It will end the St. John's discussion here. When you look at the Big East, and this kind of will pertain to another team we're going to talk about in a second, but who can you say definitively coming into the year is better on paper than St. John's? UConn, Creighton, Marquette, and probably Villanova, and that's the list. Okay. How many so tournaments I, I think, is this looking like? Six, maybe? I think there's only four, and Villanova kind of feels like a stretch, but I'm willing to give mm. like Kyle Neptune a mulligan year, basically. Like mm. maybe it last year is just way harder than we all thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, fifth place finish year one is pretty darn good. So Torvik has them eighth and 56th overall, but that's the problem is like the Big East is really freaking good. And so mm. you can be like a bubble quality team, but still be the seventh or eighth best team in that conference. And it's okay. It's not a huge deal. Mm. Um, but I, I think they're going to overachieve that. I've got them closer to, and really inside my top 40, I think they're going to strongly contend for an upper half uh, finish in the Big East this year. Okay. I like it. Um, Mountain West team that struggled last year, and the Mountain West is very fluid at the moment uh, as to who's going to be in the Mountain West very, very soon, um, that struggled last year, that you like their roster scheme a little bit more this year, Will Warren. This is, I, I wasn't quite sure which direction to go here because there's two, and I'll, I'll get to the more like moonshot cases later, but one that I actually think is going to be good and not just like has a chance of being good, uh, UNLV. Mm. UNLV started last year 10-0, and then 11-1 and uh, before Christmas. They had some injuries pop up, kind of stopped being so hot in games as well, and went 7-11 and in Mountain West play. They looked like an NCAA tournament team heading into 2023, and then the bottom sort of fell out in January. Hmm. But they've they've retooled their roster a bit, and I really like what they've done. It's like I really like what you've done with the place. Um, they took some really big swings on talent and like recruiting pieces, so they don't really return a lot from last year's team. I think it's like 27 percent of minutes or scoring one comes back. But they imported a lot of intriguing names, the big two being a pair of Big 12 starters, Jalen Hill from Oklahoma and Caleb Boone from Oklahoma State. Hmm. I mean, that alone, those two are as good and as proven of pieces as anybody in the Mountain West has that's not on San Diego State's roster or maybe New Mexico's. Hmm. So they're going to have the star power on paper. If they have the depth to go with it, this has the potential to be like the second best team in the Mountain West in a clear at-large bid, um, which would be a really good step in the right direction for Kevin Kruger and company. Uh, if they don't connect, they could finish like eighth because the Mountain West is quite competent all the way through. It's, you know, I don't think that they're going to have the upper tier finishers that they might potentially have. Like I think San Diego State's going to take a little bit of a step back. I'm not totally sold on New Mexico taking that step up. Utah State obviously lost their coach. Colorado State is sort of rebounding from a rough year last year. I don't know as much about Boise or Nevada sustaining their success. So it's going to be a down year, but it's not going to be like a bad year for the conference. It, like They're going to have a bunch of teams that are somewhere from like the 50th to 80th best team in America. And How many tournament teams kind of, do you think? I think they'll probably get two in hmm. and maybe a third, depending on how the season goes. But 
UNLV is going to have a real shot to do it. I, I like their on-paper talent more than anybody else's but San Diego State, and it's just a matter of if they can get it all to work together. The Those two and New Mexico, those are the three teams I'm really looking at in the Mountain West this coming year for uh, intriguing uh, day one teams. Okay. I and like then, it, Will. Um, there, there's a couple couple yeah. of the moonshots I do want to get to. Yeah. Uh, these two teams could really suck because they are projected, I think, ninth and 11th in the 11-team Mountain West. But there's, I can't quit them, I guess. Mm. Fresno State being one. Fresno, it's very rare that you see this anymore, uh, but they have a fifth-year starting point guard, Isaiah Hill. Okay. Added Isaiah Pope from Utah Tech, uh, mm-hmm. who shot 43% from deep last year. Uh, I generally feel like they should be better than they are, and maybe one of these years it's going to work out for them. The other is just that I don't think Wyoming can be as bad as they were again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Linder's too good of a coach. They are. They always seem to be at their best when you expect the least from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were unbelievably unlucky last year. I don't think they played a single game with their preferred starting five. They had insanely bad luck in close games. Really good buy low bet this year. Hmm. Okay. I like it, Will. Um, this starting five. So John Rothstein <clears throat> tweeted this out today. And I was thinking about it um, in terms of just... It's kind of like the most forgotten hire to me for this cycle is Ed Cooley at Georgetown. Like, that's going to take a lot of getting used to. I don't know if that's the same for you, where it's like Patrick Ewing is not going to be rowing the sidelines. And uh, Ed Cooley will not be at Providence for the first time in 37 years. So... That's just going to take a lot of getting used to, even though our old friend will be coaching Providence and those Friars. But um, when you look at the starting five that Rostin tweeted out about what Georgetown looks like, what does that look like to you? Because you mentioned your top four to five in the Big East um, at the top of the show here with St. John's. What does that look like for you right now? Uh, it looks like about five and 15 in the Big East to me. <laughs> I do not think that's a good roster. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, I uh, so Cooley obviously great coach. Mm. Um, Cooley not like a night one miracle worker. The Providence build took a long time to put together. Fairfield took a while as well. I don't think that he's going to fix all of their problems in one off season. Um, and, and really, of the pieces they've got, there's not many that you can point to and say like, yeah, we have proven data showing this guy is awesome. So they're pinning a lot on Jay Heath, who is, uh, frankly, very mediocre guard for them last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got some intriguing transfers, Acock Acock from uh, UConn, right? Mm. Where he was, or well, I guess he played for Georgetown last year, but he was very ineffective last season. I mean, Dontrez Styles, I guess you could point to and be like, oh, UNC transfer, maybe it works out for him. Jaden Epps uh, mm. from Illinois, I guess that could be interesting, but... What they feel like to me a little bit is um, uh, Mid-Atlantic LSU from last year, Mm. where they've really had to overhaul the roster, and there is talent there. There's plenty of it. But I struggle to see where in one offseason all of the things that ailed them are going to go away, and they're going to be like mid-pack Big East. Mm. I don't think they'll be worse than DePaul just because I think – I mean – at a base level, I think you have a basic expectation that Ed <laughs> Cooley will get more out of his roster than uh, Tony Stubblefield will. Can I say the 
first comment and it has <clears throat> 12 likes under this tweet that when you brought up DePaul, I just had to shout this out. And Please. DePaul is officially on notice. Yeah, the uh, DePaul, the DePaul Georgetown Butler triad battle for dead last is going to be one to watch. That's what everybody will be paying attention to this winter. But will it be fun bad? Or is Georgetown going to be watchable bad? Are they going to be fun oh, they, bad? Or are they, they going to be, be pesky? But here's the thing. I thought they were watchable bad last year because they mm. were that bad. That that was like an intriguing level of badness because it's Georgetown and they just shouldn't hit those depths. So I, yeah. I actually, there were games of theirs I quite enjoyed watching last year from a, like, not as a mean viewpoint, but just out of fascination of like how, how much worse that can this possibly get? But I mean, like, Pure aesthetics, they'll be more watchable this year. They'll definitely play a lot better defense. Yeah. Uh, and I I mean, like, they'll probably finish ahead of DePaul. But, yeah, I mean, a What good a statement, by them. the way. They'll probably finish ahead of DePaul. Like, that should be the Big East book. Like, I don't know if yeah. Dan O'Neill needs to write that, but, like, if you're going to do, like, a Big East book, like, chronologically, like, or just, like, looking through the conference and something that's actually kind of funny, they're probably going to do better than DePaul is... uh the title that it should be poor uh, DePaul, like good man. progress for them this year honestly it's it, this is going to sound pathetic but if you can finish ninth that's you're in the right direction yeah like i mean you're better than depaul and i'm taking a stab and saying butler is probably going to be the other team at the bottom i just don't really like their roster much mm. so and, and i have yet to be convinced that that mata is not just mailing this in how old is that Mata? Let's see. Not as old as you think. Yeah, he's only fifty-six. He should. He's too young to be mailing it in. Well, right, but they were they were the opposite of a uh, hard effort players last year, mm. especially after their hot start wore off. It's true. Fourteen and eighteen last year, six and fourteen in the Big East, and they finished ninth. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh. Man, that's maybe one to watch. Uh, I, I do like their list of road wins last year is amazing. Butlers. Let's do a quick little mm-hmm. uh, off course tracker here. <laughs> uh, Cal, who I think went three and <laughs> is a uh, Cal who went three and twenty nine. Yeah, I think. Oh, I. I... <laughs> there you go you're good now i'm back on oh i was muted i was coughing and i just realized i was hitting the mute button to cough like to block my cough did you just hear me cough yes oh yeah that was backwards so i did it backwards i was like all right well there there you go that's, that's uh, okay. for the good folks watching on youtube.com they can get that little insight sorry continue uh three road wins here so uh road cal they won by 24 uh mm-hmm. three and 29 cal uh georgetown <laughs> they beat georgetown by 29 uh, and DePaul by one point. Mm. Those were their wins away from home last season. Interesting. Hmm. Well, there you go, Will. Uh, the Georgetown Hoyas. Probably going to be bad again, but maybe trending in the right direction. Um, I want to do this each week, and this is something that I think could be fun, maybe get you ready for the college basketball season a little bit here. Uh, just picking one transfer target um, pickup, and just one guy each week, that you're intrigued by um, with his new spot, his new landing spot. Who who do you have this week that you're most fascinated in? So there's a few different directions I think I could have gone here. Um, but Bart Torvik's site, they've got this little thing. They've got the PRPG, which is more or less like points above replacement. 
Mm-hmm. But they have one called D-PRPG, which is like a combination of offensive value, defensive value, and how much time you're actually on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to guess the number one player in the portal who uh, who was uh, in? He was number one in this stat. And what was the stat measuring? This is just overall value. Overall value in the. And this portal. player was on a Big Ten team, and it is not Hunter Dickinson. I was gonna say like that. Okay, it's, it, it's not Hunter Dickinson. No. Uh, and I will go ahead and say I'm not entirely sold on the value of the stat, but look, you need a storyline at some point. I have no idea. Who would it be? It is Cam Spencer from Rutgers. Oh, I never would have guessed that. He was he graded out tremendously, both huh. on offense and defense. Hmm. Uh, all around very solid player. Yeah. Uh, so if you they have this, obviously the stat box plus minus both offense and defense. Graded out extraordinarily well in both. 43% shooter from deep. Mm. Very high steal rate. Very low turnover rate. Good on-ball handler. And I think he's a really intriguing piece to me because he was already an up transfer from Loyola, Maryland at Rutgers last year and got much better than he was Mm. at Loyola, which was surprising. He was already pretty solid there. And then he turned into a star-level guy at Rutgers. Mm. Um I don't know that a second leap is in the books, but if he sustains that level of play, he kind of becomes, aside from Klingon, the most important player on the defending national champion. And I find that inherently very interesting. Uh, They're putting a lot on his shoulders, I think. You know, the backcourt has had to sort of heavily be remade Mm. after, you know, you get some surprise departures, you win the title, things happen. But partnered with Tristan Newton, I think he's going to be a really great piece for them. Solomon Ball will get some time in the backcourt, as will Hassan Diara. But Spencer is going to, I am assuming, get the lion's share of time both on and off ball in the backcourt. And, I mean, UConn had some great pieces last year, obviously. But I don't know that they had somebody quite this good defensively, like as Mm -hmm. an individual one-on-one defender in the backcourt last season. And so giving Dan Hurley that piece feels dangerous to me. That doesn't feel like a nice thing to do to the rest of college basketball. Interesting. Do you think they're better on paper than they were a year ago? I think heading into the season, they're going to have they're better than I thought they would be heading into last season. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have the best roster. I still believe it's Purdue. Uh, but like, if they played expectation, they're going to be a top five team again. Yeah. I mean, it, it took really a little bit, but that thing is absolutely rolling now. They just took advantage of like the no elite teams last year. Like they were just the most solid and just the most complete on both ends where it was just like, just calm and steady. We're not going to be elite at any one particular thing. We're just going to be really good at everything pretty deep. Just do take care of business. The lunch pail kids up there in stores. They also had the, uh, the piece where your all-star center, who's one of the best players in America suddenly starts shooting threes and hits Mm. them at like 35%. And then his backup is a seven foot three freak who's going to be a uh, NBA center one day. Yeah. So let me just also say seeing Euros Plapsic uh, drain a three in the Hawks Summer League was jarring. It was horrible. I don't want to see it again. No. Um, Will, final big thing here, and it brings me no joy to throw this your way, but you are going to surprise some folks with this team. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, Boyberg's bunch. Am I wrong in remembering that you're optimistic about this team going in these this year? Were you tweeting yes. publicly? Were you throwing this out into the public orbit? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this team. I mean, they were their usual awful selves opening last season because mm. for whatever reason, and I feel like they had this issue at Iowa State. I might be misremembering, so forgive me. But it felt like a lot of the Iowa State teams that Hoiberg had also started seasons poorly. Like it just took mm. them a month or whatever to get going. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in the back half of Big Ten play, these guys rocked. So Nebraska, January, January 31st, <clears throat> Nebraska loses to Illinois, 72-56. They're 10-13, and 3-9 in the Big Ten. Doesn't seem like there's much of a future there. They went... Six and two the rest of the way very quietly and picked off some nice wins. They beat they uh, beat Rutgers on the road by ten, beat Iowa on the road on Iowa Senior Day, uh, picked off Wisconsin at home, Maryland at home, and Penn State at home. I mean, the only two losses they had were to tournament teams that time. They really seemed to get better the more they turned it over to Casey Tominaga, who is one of the most enjoyable players to watch in all of college hoops. Just a delight there in the backcourt, and he comes back for his senior year. Um, I, I'm still waiting for them to put it together for four months. Hoiberg's hmm. teams at Nebraska kind of had like a good month here and a good month there. But last year down the stretch was the first time where I started to feel convinced they were putting it together a little bit. But when you look at them as a whole and be- betting on Nebraska... What do you think is going to be their thing? What do you think is their calling card? If you had to just predict, and you're looking at Bart Torbick in February, and this looks like a tournament team, where do you think they're excelling at in the step? I think Hoiberg's thing has always been offense, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's going to have to be it this year. They really did not have a very good offense last year. They shot it well from two, but one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in America somehow, mm-hmm. despite having, like, a great shooter in Tominaga and some other competent guys off the bench. They have really boosted the shooting around him this year. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that. So Juwan Gary comes back for another year. The piece they added that I think is really interesting is Bryce Williams from Charlotte, who I talked about a couple months back. Uh, Bryce Williams kind of plays like a six, seven version of Santiago Vescovian offense. Hmm. He just runs off screens the whole game and wears out his opponents, and but he's 6'7", so he can actually drive to the lane and dunk, too. I mean, he has a chance for a real glow-up at Nebraska that's going to earn him a lot of spotlight if he uh, plays it correctly. But they, they've got some pieces all over the court to where they don't have a great center. I mean, Rink Mast is going to be good. He's a Bradley transfer, but he's just 6'9", in a conference where everyone's centers are 7 feet or taller. So they could be in trouble there, but we have the example already of how that works. We saw Penn State do it last year without a true center. They space the floor out. You make Edie. You make, well, I guess no longer, no longer Dickinson, but Terrace Reed. Mm-hmm. You make all of the centers in this league come out and defend your five-man 25 feet from the rim, which opens up the lane, which allows you to kick it out more for threes. I, I think the way that he's built this roster, it's his smartest build yet. It's the one that looks closest to an Iowa State roster of his past. I mean, the Big Ten is going to be hyper-competitive, as it always is, but mm. this is a team that went 9-11 and in a very solid, if not elite, Big Ten last year, uh, was better than their record showed, started to really come together down the stretch, has an identifiable star and go-to guy in Tominaga. They have a lot of things that teams that miss the tournament generally don't have. I, I, that's a regretful thing to say for sure. 
but mm-hmm. I think that they are going to be on the right side of the bubble this coming year. There you I, go. I, I just, I like them. I, I can't quit Nebraska. They need something good in their lives. Well, I, mean, I just look at Nebraska. I'm like, if Iowa can do what they do, you can do what Iowa does. Like yeah. that should be the calling card for Nebraska basketball. Iowa can yeah. do it. Exactly. And all you have to, I mean, if they go full offense this year, you yeah. are just doing the Fran model. Basically. That's what I'm saying. That's what I would do. Yeah. Which is fine. Like it, that clearly works. Yeah. Um, who wins more games this year, Iowa or Nebraska? Probably Iowa. Mm. And I'm only saying this because Iowa always plays like an annoyingly soft home <laughs> schedule in the non-conference. I feel like they're basically the same team in Big Ten play. Like they'll both be 11 and 9 or something. Mm. Uh, but Iowa loves scheduling like Eastern Illinois or uh, Western Illinois or Nebraska Omaha at home. They they don't get serious until January. No. And they, they will also love having like the third best offense and 130th best defense. We love that, don't we, folks? Heck yes. Well, they're, they are honestly, if you had an NBA league pass for college basketball, Iowa's a top 10 team every year. Oh, yeah. Easily. Tennessee's never on that list. No, Tennessee's like 50th. Yeah, that's not not a thing. Um, Will Warren, uh, also in what just popped in my feed, the Johnny's highlights. Um, it's some real sicko stuff because they the algorithm knows that we're talking about St. John's on this podcast. <laughs> True or false? A player named Chudney Gray had a clutch basket in the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament against Villanova. Chudney? Yes. I, I have to imagine that's true. That is true. Um, this player had 21 points. Bootsy Thornton, true or false? False. Nope, true. Both real players, Bootsy both important Thornton. players in the 2000, year 2000 uh, St. John's Red Star. Oh, okay. I thought that Chudney Gray, I was like, oh, there could not be a person named Chudney in 2023. <laughs> but I'm no. assuming he's still with us. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, Will. I hope he has a um, name. There you go. Uh, final thing before we get out of here, Will. Stat. That has caught your eye this week. We don't ever do gambling stuff in the show, and uh, no. you kind of know my thoughts on it. But uh, prepping for some it's going well in the stuff, NFL, huh? It's going really well in the NFL. I know uh, it's going great, and uh, not bitter at all about Jameson Williams suspension. Anyway, I did find an intriguing stat while prepping for some preseason stuff. So, mm. team rankings, helpfully wonderful site, by the way. Uh, they track both like cover percentage and whatnot, but also pure scoring margin against the spread. So FAU, mm. number one, obviously, they're overperforming by 5.2 points uh, per game. Mm. Alabama, number two, plus 4.9. UConn, number four, plus 4.3. Who do you think was number three? In what, sorry, what was the stat one more time? This was overperformance against pregame spread. Ooh, what conference? <laughs> this will really get you. The Ivy League. Oh, uh, Harvard? It was Yale. Oh! Yale was the third best team last year at overperforming at plus 4.4 points per game. Hmm. Uh, I I think I've gone on record as saying I really like them this year. They've got a lot of returning pieces from a team that was better than the Princeton team that made the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. Um, But you'll never know that because they didn't get the opportunity. Uh, But they they return four-fifths of their starting lineup should have four uh, 10 plus points per game scores. I, I think they're going to be really good this year. Like they, I don't know about an at Did large that 2020 deal. team get ranked? 
don't think so. I think the like what was his name? Makai Mason. Sounds the the right. team that beat Baylor. I feel like they got ranked at one point. Okay. I feel like I remember Yale being ranked. I feel like they got in at some point. And maybe that twenty it wasn't the twenty twenty team, but I feel like they got ranked. I'm I'm sprinted to college basketball reference. It does not appear they were ranked in the AP. Hmm. But I'm willing to bet they they were like receiving votes or something. Okay, maybe that's it. No. There you go. Will Warren, optimistic about the Yale Bulldogs. Yeah, big uh, big Ivy League guy here. Big fan. Big Ivy League guy, Will Warren. Will, what can the good folks check out from you and the fantastic college basketball website stats by will.substack.com. Subscribe today. What uh, what content do you got for us here on this off-season edition here as we get closer and closer to July? It's football time in Tennessee, almost, but college basketball never sleeps either, sir. Right. Uh, at my website, uh, you can get a uh an article or an essay i guess i wrote last week on uh giving up pickup basketball for running and mostly been there okay with that uh you're just like got... you're doing my life you're just five years behind me like you're just yeah. uh you're just uh <laughs> it, it gets harder your knees hurt more but i i did pick up a fun entry this week uh i was oh, no. mowing and i fell down it was on a hill okay and i was I holding on to the mower and uh my like thumb bent and so I've uh, got a sprained thumb and I cannot shoot with my right hand. I've been trying it for a couple of days and I like cannot grip the ball. So I am a lefty now temporarily. Join us. There are dozens of us, Will. There are <laughs> it, dozens of us. It was so embarrassing. I was glad no one was out to see it. Oh, man. But um, yeah, lefty. Lefty. But uh, yeah. I've got an interview coming with a uh, NAIA coach who runs the most fascinating defense in uh, American college hoops right now. It's a one, two, two zone defense okay for half court and it, it is they wrote it to a national title so i'm excited to write about that and then inspired don't get by any ideas saw, rick yeah no zone please inspired by a tweet i saw i think i'm going to undertake the herculean task of finding the best band in every state in america okay uh i will go ahead and tell you alaska nigh impossible couldn't tell you the first thing about who mm. is from alaska other than jewel okay there you go. There, there's some project. Can you tell that I need a little more sport in my life? Hey, we're almost there, Will. We are almost <laughs> there. But folks, don't wish your wife, look, wife, well, don't wish your wife away. But also, yeah, don't wish your life away. Uh, enjoy the day. Find the find the positive in each and every day. Go do something nice. Go touch some grass. Go run a mile. Go enjoy <laughs> your life. Watch righteous gemstones. Check in on yeah, what seriously. Keith's situation is. Go see a hilarious fight between uh, a scorned lover and uh the one who his wife uh had an adult uh, kind of an adulterated affair there and watch that <laughs> for a solid two minutes because it's an absolute delight um not a not a sponsor but it would uh but it could be right jimson's always um always and forever will warren thank you as always my friend and i will talk to you next week thanks for having me All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Thursday night. Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants is here, and you're not going to leave it, folks. We're going to talk some Giants on this very program because Bobby does not talk nearly enough New York Giants on the John Boyd Network. Go check that out if you have not already done so. Bobby, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. We're back in the swing of things with training camp. Uh, full days, but fun days. I think it's 
I think it's the most fun time to cover an NFL team. Hmm. Like the draft is very like, you know, it's fun, but it's a lot of grueling work. And then you still like didn't watch a hundred players before the draft. The mm. season's fun, but it's again a ton of work. You're like, looking at losses, wins, whatever. Training camp is just kind of like, ah, right, you've done all the work. You just get to watch it, talk about mm. it, enjoy. You're not having to watch, you know, film for three hours, hours straight. You just get to watch the practice and enjoy it. Do you even know what you're watching? Like, I've been to a lot of Falcons training camps in in my time back when I uh, was lived and grew up in Atlanta, and I would go to Flowery Branch and check them out. I would just, my eyes would wander. I would just be like, oh, there's Perry and Jerry. Let me go see what he's doing for a little bit. But I have no concept of really what I'm watching. Do you have any, is it an organ, are you a vet now where you know what to look for, where to keep your eyes, or are you just enjoying it for what it is? You just kind of got to watch, like, couple, like look at matchups. Um, hmm. So, like, today I was like, yesterday we were watching the receivers and what they were doing. Today it was like, I want to look at what the corners are doing. And, hmm. like, specifically guys that are positioned about, like, so Cordell Flaw, he's battling for starting nickel corner. Mm-hmm. I just, whenever he was in, I would focus in on him and see what he's doing. But if you just try and like, if you just watch the ball, you, you won't know what's going on. You'll just mm. be sitting back enjoying it, which I think is a little more enjoyable, but. What's been the biggest, uh, training camp thing you've seen? What's the funniest training camp moment with the giants in your lifetime? Funniest training camp in my lifetime. Yeah. That you've seen in um, person that you're like, that was objectively hilarious. And I'm glad I was here for this. This was this is the se- only the second time year I've done training camp. Mm. So I'm trying to think of things. Does it have to be players? Because actually today no. there's a, been a kid that showed up two days in a row with this huge sign saying Saquon, if you sign this, my ex girlfriend uh, will get back together with me. Uh-huh. Which no, she won't. But I'm telling you, this kid was obnoxiously holding <laughs> this sign up in the air, yelling at mm. Saquon. So Saquon, I think, finally just went and signed it because he knew that this kid wouldn't stop until uh, until he did. But my question is, like, what do you do with that sign? Saquon signed it. She's not coming back, bro. Mm. Now you just have this big sign si- signed by Saquon that reminds you of your ex-girlfriend. I, I just didn't really understand the play. Unless the play was just attention. Yeah, I don't, because you're not going to frame it. Like, you're not framing that sign. You're not frame like, and you don't even want to sell it. Who's buying big it? big sign, Chase. Like, it was, yeah. it was like, you know, a good, you know, three three by two sign yeah are you a sign guy i've never brought a sign to any sporting event in my life never made a sign no i've never even like thought about doing it i feel like it's right? kind of a dying art we just saw it on tv mm. so much that when they there is a sign guy they show it yeah but i don't think i've ever even been near a sign guy <laughs> at, at a game yeah i've never been that i'm not loud at games i'm like always like thinking taking notes like at tennessee is probably the most rowdy i'll get just like when you're in the the coliseum that is neyland stadium with 102,000 people on a college game day like at three like it's just hard not to just uh be as much of a hardcore fan as humanly possible and things come out that you're just like i don't know where that came from i, I didn't know that was in me but apparently it's in me um <clears throat> But in general, I'm just not a yeller. I've always been like, why are you yelling? Why are you yelling? Like, I go to a lot of high school games and cover those on week uh, on Friday nights, and you hear these parents or other just yelling at children, and you're just like, what? What happened to you? What? 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 What's going on here? Do we need to pull you aside? Like, what? what what's going on here? This is a little insane. I, I just never want to make a scene. I, I'm not a make a scene guy. The, yeah, I'm the same way. At games, I'm pretty quiet. Yeah. We did a watch party last year uh-huh. for the playoff games. And I lost my voice by the first quarter of that giant oh, wow. Vikings game. It, it what hurt, which was good, is they scored on basically every single drive. Mm-hmm. Like, so so the, the, the next week, the Eagles, my voice was fine. We you know we barely had to say much. Uh, 
but yeah, that was like, man, I, I turned into a nasty person when I'm yeah. on a watch party live stream for a playoff game. So I think playoffs is when it comes out, regular season games, I'm, I'm pretty quiet. I'd like to see that again for the Falcons at some point. I would like to just host a uh, playoff game in the new stadium at some point. That would be nice. That's basically been the same. I mean, the Giants haven't hosted a playoff game in MetLife Stadium since the 2012 Super Bowl. So Wow. No. It was their first playoff game since so we were it was it felt good to get back man that's wild and now the jets have the longest playoff streak uh drought in the nfl and it's just like time flies man the butt fumble and everything else the rex ryan years don't feel that long ago to me and the coughlin years I don't know. feel that, and they really really were um it's been a mess on both uh both accounts here but first up you mentioned saquon were you surprised ultimately how the saquon barkley drama actually ended up here so I thought a long-term deal would get done just because at mm. the end, Saquon would be like, hey, this is going to be more cash flow than what than the alternative. you know." And he wouldn't be happy about it, but he eventually would pull. But he stood his ground mm. and didn't sign the contract. So you're like, all right, franchise tag. He's not going to miss games. Like if anyone knows Saquon, he's not going to miss games. But he's going to miss training camp, right? That was always the assumption. But I remember talking before uh, Tuesday is I could see like if – if the Giants want to just say, like, sign the one-year deal now, but it would come to camp, but we will put a clause in that we won't franchise tag you again, I think that would be worth it. Mm. But So when we saw that contract on Tuesday, like, oh, that definitely has that clause in it. But no, it didn't. And the incentives, like, it's his, the franchise tag is $10.1 million. Mm. This The contract he has now is ten point one up to $11 million. So that's $900,000 in incentives. And mm. think about how good of a year Saquon had last year. He didn't hit any of the incentives in the contract. And yeah. those and that, so he's basically playing on the franchise tag, but showing up the camp, which is you don't see that really too often mm. with with negotiations negotiations like this. And they still have the option next year, so I I was shocked that he's in camp to start, uh, but I guess I'm, I wasn't shocked that it ended towards the tag. Were the jokes fair that you saw that immediately came out after Saquon uh, signed the contract that he ended up doing, and now he's back, or do you think it was just? He didn't really have many options, and it just kind of hit him that like there there wasn't much he could really do at this point with his contract this year. So there's two like you the side from say, like that he shouldn't have done it is make the Giants as uncomfortable as possible, go through all mm-hmm. the press. Even even when he did sign, all the questions were about Saquon. You know, Andrew Thomas signed a 120 million dollar contract. Like two of the eight questions were about Saquon. Mm. Uh, so making the Giants as uncomfortable as possible was like the play. Like, hey, don't do this to me again or it's going to get real, real ugly. But Saquon realized, like, hey, I'm going to play games on this contract anyways. So I might as well get some incentives in it. And Saquon's hyper-focused on his image. Like, hyper. And he understands he's in the New York media. And he wants to be here or, you know, be with the Giants uh, for life. Mm. And it does, even if it's not fair, him missing camp would have turned fans on him. Like it, and I don't think he was really ready for that, uh, but he's just like he, he took a team. He, he did. He put the, the team before him, which is like you don't really see that anymore, and kind of mm. rightfully so. But it's like a kind of a lost start that he put the team before his self interest and, and showed up. But I, I think he just hurt him to one be slandered by the fans that you know love him, and also coming off of the first winning season, you know, since twenty sixteen. They're getting back in action, and I, he truly – I don't think he wants to miss out on any of that. Do you think this is his last year with the Giants? I do because 
I don't see there being uh, them giving him a better deal than what he got this past year. Like, what mm-hmm. can what can he do for them to offer him a better a better deal than what was offered this past offseason? Now, maybe they offer what they offered at the bye week, and you know, before the franchise tag was applied. And mm-hmm. okay, I, I would going back, I would take that. So maybe that's what happens. But I don't know if the Giants are going to be willing to do that because they have the mm-hmm. franchise tag again. So I think either they let him test, you know, a free agency and they end up with the best offer or they do some type of like tag and trade where it's like, okay, go negotiate your best contract. We will trade that for a six round pick. Um, but I do think it is. Cause I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. Joe Shane wants to give him a long-term contract. Like they know how important he is to the team, how important is he, he is just as like a human being. And there is, that's a big part of it and how much the Giants organization loves him. But I truly don't think that he wants to pay a running back who's been injured. You know, I know all the running back conversations, but specifically to Saquon, has missed a lot of games. Mm. And when banged up with smaller injuries, doesn't always deal with them the best. So I, I don't think he really wants to give him a long-term deal. And if that didn't happen this offseason, I don't see it happening next offseason. Speaking of Andrew Thomas, you talk about that and the questions uh, for Saquon and Andrew Thomas. Obviously, a Georgia kid, first-round pick, offensive tackle. I Am I misremembering, or did he have a really, really rough rookie year for new york like it was like uh-oh uh is that correct he, he had a rough first eight games okay and then he gradually got better as the season went along but you know how especially with offensive line because we don't get yeah. to see the stats and stuff is that first impressions mean a lot and especially mm-hmm. in that rookie class where becton who obviously hasn't been playing you've been injured a lot was really awesome that year mm-hmm. jedrick wills had a solid rookie year. It wasn't like a superstar tackle and then Tristan Wirfs was, you know, great out of the gate. So it was kind of like the, the oh, he he's you know he's the worst of the four, and especially with Dave Gelman like being mostly wrong, it was just mm. very easy. Like, yep, got another got another thing wrong. But year two, he he got he gradually got better as a rookie. Like he mm. kind of did what you want as a, like he struggled the first eight games and then gradually got better. Where it's like at the end, you're like, okay, we got a player. Mm. Year two was an awesome pass protector left a little bit of desire to the run. And year three, he even became a better pass protector and then improved in the run to where, I mean, he was all pro last year, um, you know, and, and like was, I think he's the third best left tackle in the game right now after Trenton Williams and Larry Tunsil. Um, and he got paid less than Larry Tunsil uh, on an average annual value. But yeah, he, he struggled as a rookie, but he really got better. And we've had him and we've interviewed him and talked to him and I've, I was a big fan of his coming out of Georgia. Mm. He's the guy I wanted the Giants to draft, so we formed a relationship with him. And it just makes sense. One, he he's athletic. He's strong enough to be that tackle spot. But he is extremely humble, hardworking, and one of the most intelligent like players on the field and understands how to see his own game and how to improve it. You know, as good, He was all pro last year. We've talked with him since. He's like, hey, this is what I – see I am vulnerable that people are going to try and attack me next year and I need to improve my upper body strength to protect myself from guys that want to bull rush so it just makes sense while he's gradually like gradually gotten better from a bad first eight games as a rookie to getting better to like one of the best pass protectors to uh you know the third best left tackle in the game in my opinion that's interesting and I mean it's also like why you don't overreact it's just like because uh, those first eight games you're talking about where it's just like oh what a miss. And it was Gettleman, right? Like, isn't that weird? But he's going to end up being a long-term. It's never just, it's never easy. And you just have to wait on some of these guys. And then, I mean, 
the Falcons, like, there's just something, and I'm sure you feel this too, where I'm worried about the future without Jake Matthews at left tackle. Like, Jake Matthews isn't the best left tackle. Like, Andrew Thomas probably won't be the best left tackle in football at any particular point, but he'll always be really good. And you'll always feel good about your blind side with him being right there. He's one of the best left tackles in football. And I think Jake Matthews has been somewhere in that comp uh for the last decade and he's getting on the older side and i just there's something nice right like with your when you pay somebody like daniel jones the kind of money and the deal that you did and you have uh saquon barkley and all these different guys and you're uh, a playoff team and you're trying to to realistically continue every year isn't it just nice to have left tackle taken care of like it just well, feels spe- good especially as a giants fan we had yeah. a really nice o-line from 2007 to 2000 or 2006 to 2010 Mm. It's been god awful since, uh, you know, going through Eric Flowers, overpaying for Nate Solder, who was was really bad. like just offensive lines been just really bad from left tackle to right tackle for about ten years, and you've seen that with the Giants' success. Like, mm. you know, you get a good offensive line, you'll at least get into the playoffs a couple times. So to have the most important one being the top three in the NFL at his game, I mean, there besides quarterback, I think. You know, maybe quarterback and like a great, great pass rusher is the only thing I would put over having that left tackle position figured out like uh, the Giants do with Andrew Thomas. Now, the rest of their offensive line is still question marks. Evan Neal uh, had a very rough rookie season and unlike Andrew Thomas, did not get better throughout the season Mm -hmm. Uh, and some other younger guys in the interior. But at least that left tackle has been protected. uh, Blindside has been protected. And Daniel Jones throughout his career, I think, Andrew Thomas is tied to his success more Mm. so than any other player or coach that he's had. Like when Andrew Thomas is playing, Daniel Jones has been a solid quarterback. When Andrew Thomas hasn't played, that's when we've seen strip sacks and uneasiness in the pocket and just not being able to push the ball. But I really like everyone says Saquon is so important to the team and he, he is, he really is. But Andrew Thomas is more important to the New York Giants than, than Saquon Barkley. It's like, he is real deal. I like it. Um, Daniel Jones, are you enjoying, are you, are you enjoying the ride now? Like, are you having fun? Are you just like, we've paid him. We made the playoffs. Like last year was awesome. Like he's our guy. Are you still just like, we're year to year. Where, where are you at with Daniel Jones in this experiment? I am confident. Like, with Daniel Jones as your quarterback, you're not going to have a bad quarterback on your team. Even mm. in the years when, like 2021 under Jason Garrett, who I, Jason, I know fans always blame the offensive coordinator, mm. and I usually push against that. Like Pat Shermer in 2019, everyone this guy he back, can't call an offense. I'm like no, he actually calls a pretty damn decent offense, but the players are just not good, so they're inconsistent. Yeah. Garrett wasn't that. Garrett was literally, <laughs> you know, just just a bad offensive coordinator, and that's you know got fired mid season. Uh, you saw on like Jones wasn't doing anything wrong in that. It was just bad offenses and, and then bad players around. So Daniel Jones is at least a solid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, mm. But yeah, I am enjoying it because when we paid him, I, I we went and looked deep at quarterback contracts who were in that tier that Daniel Jones. Like we looked at the Tannehill's, but go look at the five best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You would say mm. by Lamar, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, and Mahomes. Yeah. All five of those guys, when they were drafted, were drafted by teams that were paying quarterbacks and mm. not bad quarterbacks, like Phillip Rivers with Herbert. Uh, now, the Bengals with Joe Burr, uh, Andy Dalton, that year they they bought him out. Uh, but the rest of them didn't bought him out. You know, the Chargers had Phillip Rivers at that time still being paid. 
the Chiefs were paying Alex Smith, and then the Ravens uh, were, you know, a, a borderline playoff team with Joe Flacco before them. So the contract is set up to where if they identify someone in two years and they're just like, hey, we just want to upgrade. Like Daniel Jones mm-hmm. isn't bad, similar to the Chiefs with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. They still have they still have the ability to go and upgrade. But and I'm also I don't believe in tanking. Look mm-hmm. at who's the last number one overall quarterback to win a Super Bowl for the team that drafted them. Uh, let me think here. Um, it's Eli Manning. Oh, is it really? E- e- Eli Manning. And before him, it's Peyton Manning. No, the only other number one overall QB, I believe, that's won a Super Bowl since then is Matt Stafford. And it wasn't for the team that ended up drafting him. Yeah, so golf I, I'm got not a, there. He just didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a believer in, uh, like bottoming out. I think the best huh. way to be a good team is to try your best to be a good team. And, yeah. uh, if, if they, again, Two years, there's, you know, Chase Thomas uh, mm. Jr., who's the next best great quarterback, and they have ability to trade yeah. up and go get him. Yeah. Then, uh, then, then they can do that. So I, I, I like having him on the team. You have a good quarterback name. Like your name is like a Texas Tech gunslinger air raid quarterback. Bobby Skinner played for Texas Tech in 2003. And that's perfect, Texas Tech. There was a NASCAR driver named Mike Skinner who was uh-huh. like the gunslinger Skinner. So yeah. I, I like it. And I'm a, I'm a lefty too. I'm so a lefty like, too, you know, yeah. Texas Tech can be weird with those guys. So Look at that. Uh, Two Southpaws yeah, on like one it. podcast. Who would have thought? Has the Have the Giants ever had a Southpaw quarterback? I don't think so. There's really no left-handed quarterback. I think two. You had Lorenzen. Lorenzen was a Giant for a little bit, I feel like. Oh, yeah, that's true. But he never started a game yeah. for them. But he was he was fun to watch. They would he Lorenzen only came in for the Giants. They would literally put him in fourth on one QB sneak, which was pretty interesting. That yeah, like a a hard ass like Tom Coughlin was like get your get your big ass in there and and get back. He was bigger than the center. It was it was very funny to watch. What a legend, man! Uh, rest in peace, Jared Lorenzen. He was awesome. Um, do you think they're close to the Cowboys and the Eagles? Like when you're looking at the rosters and the scheme and the coaching staff and where they're at right now, do you think it's fair for Giants fans to expect that they should compete with the Cowboys and Eagles year over year right now? I think the coaching staff makes them close to Cowboys than they should. But that's mm-hmm. the that's my biggest worry with the Giants this season coming off the playoffs. So it's like playoff they 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 became a better team this offseason. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you can ever be super confident when I think they are clearly the third best team in their division. Mm. Like the Eagles are on like three different levels, you know, yeah. higher than the Giants and the Cowboys, I think are solidly better than the Giants on paper. And, and I think the Cowboys did get better. Brandon Cooks is like one of those offseason moves that no one talks about that I think is really big for them. We'll see what, you know, Gilmore has for them, you know, yeah. opposite Trevon Diggs. But I really think that Brandon Cooks uh, signing is going to like, really really help out Dak who is again another quarterback who's maybe not in that top five top seven range but you get him two wide receivers uh with you know Lamb and and Cooks Brandon Cooks uh you can see him you know be the best version of himself Michael Gallup too yeah I mean there's a scenario I mean like I've said that Dak I think is still probably the best quarterback in the NFC right now and it's amazing how lopsided the AFC quarterback situation is compared to the NFC but it's unbelievable. Like you're arguing between like Dak, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones. Like I just, it's kind of wild where we're at, and, and Jalen Hurts obviously too. But um, yeah, it's just gonna be, it's just gonna be weird uh, by and large. Last thing in here, and I'll get you out of here, Bobby. Um, 
what is your realistic 2023 expectation? You talked about like, hey, like we're uh, behind the Cowboys and the Eagles, but that doesn't mean anything. Like the seasons go awry, injuries happen. Like you can absolutely still sneak in there. Now, I would say from my perspective, winning the division would be a huge surprise um, if the Giants win the NFC. Yeah, they're not. They're not unless Jalen Hurts and their backup Eagles quarterback gets hurt. I don't. They're not winning the division. Yeah. So if we take that out, what is the most realistic? If you are telling Giants fans right now how to not be miserable this year and enjoy the year, what is the what is the best number or best situation for them to enjoy this season the best? Getting into the playoffs again as a wild card team again. I don't mm. see them. Maybe you could be. Maybe you could tie with the Cowboys depending on. I, I think coaching there can be mm. suspect, but but making the playoffs. I don't care mm. if that's at the second or the third team in the NFC East. And then offensively, offensively, what they did last year was very limited because they had like a very limited wide receiver core. They had struggles with, you know, Evan Neal's a rookie. If Evan Neal can improve and this new wide receiver core with Darren Waller, we talked about Darren Waller, like how excited, mm. how he's just been dominating Giants training camp. And he's truly something we've never, we, we haven't seen in a long time for the Giants. Mm. Be an offense that's explosive, you know. If if Evan Neal is good, be uh you know the tenth ranked offense in points per game. Be you know beat that tenth to twelfth range. So just have an offense that's more explosive and not having to be perfect. Where last year they didn't turn over the ball over at all, like number one in turnover rate in the NFL, and just had to be perfect because of so many different uh you know limitations they had. So be kind of a, a more explosive and fun offense, and also getting that wild card berth. I like it. Bobby, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Talking Giants this week? Yeah, simply just uh, you know look at Talking Giants on YouTube and stuff. We are at every uh, training camp practice, and we go live afterwards for about thirty minutes recapping them. We do a, a podcast every weekday uh, with interviews with reporters. We, we're during training camp, we throw a lot at you, so just kind of find the thing you like the most, watch it, and maybe maybe that'll bleed into everything else. There you go. I love it. Bobby, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have to check back in again soon. Appreciate you, Chase. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, Practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.